Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guys and gals, the official Danko Jones podcast starts now. Welcome to uh, the official Danko Jones podcast uh, mock two uh, decided I've hinted at it over the past few episodes that I wanted to do something take this podcast to the next level and uh, do something more than just re reading reading past articles for these various rock magazines that I've been writing for I thought it was fun uh, a lot of people dug it I got a really good feedback from from people who would never have even heard it or read it to begin with, so that was nice. But, um, you know, 10-minute little clips every two weeks or, you know, just wasn't cutting it when I would compare it to podcasts I listen to and podcasts I like. So I wanted to kind of step up the game, and I wanted to do a live kind of, well, not live, but a chat with um, someone and call it a podcast. And I, I was thinking, who who can I bring in? And there's all kinds of people, and then I thought, well, there is one guy who uh, you know I've known for quite a long time. Uh, he's in a band. He also does comedy, so there's an, a different a different aspect to his performance. He's uh, he knows he could talk about several different subjects topics uh, at the drop of a hat, and I've known him for such a long time, and we used to work together, so there's a history there. And he is in Toronto. He's based out of Toronto, too. And it's my friend Nick Flanagan from um, Comedy Stylings and from the punk rock band The Brutal Nights. And Nick is here joining me um, on the podcast. So, Nick, what's up? Hello. How's that as, like, a greeting to announce my presence here? Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. Are you, are you, are you at the... the the range of the mic. We were doing a whole bunch of tech testing before. Well, maybe I'll stand here and I'll just do that. I just wanted to now do that a huge, booming hello and to, to greet you. As I'm the tech for the podcast, all of a sudden, I, I noticed the, the wave, the wavelength or the waves. The algorithms? Yeah, they were pretty thick. Cool, I think. Um, and since we're talking about the tech part of the podcast, I should mention, <laughs> take this time to mention that we are we have sponsors now. Now that I've taken it up to the next level, we've got a couple of sponsors here. We are using blue microphones. Well, we have been for the whole time the podcast has been up. I was using the Snowball blue microphone, but we stepped up our game. We stepped up our microphones. We're using the Yeti microphones from from Blue Blue Mics, and these microphones, they're a Sasquatch of good sound. Yeah, they're pretty heavy duty, man. Very yeah. impressive. And I, I thought I would set them up and have you come over to impress you. The mic them. is definitely probably the classiest thing I've ever talked into. And we are using Skull Candy headphones as well. They're another uh group that are helping us helping the podcast out. I've got it strapped to my ears right now and yeah. so far no complaints. No. So we've got two kind of sponsors for the podcast. It, it makes it feel even more official than just the official Danko Jones podcast. But I think we've got to work on some there's some sponsors. The banter between the banter's <laughs> got to improve for sure. But 
we need like to even widen our ambition for sponsors. I think like, what if we got like uh, Mount Rushmore to sponsor us somehow? Mount Rushmore as 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 meaning the tourist attraction. Yeah, the tourist attraction. Mount Rushmore could send us. I mean, what what do they give away? Maybe mugs with pictures of Mount Rushmore on it. We're drinking coffee out of those. That'd be awesome. You realize we are doing this podcast from Toronto, Canada. Mount yeah. Rushmore is a definite American tourist attraction. Okay, fine. Then we could just use instead uh, the Canadian well size. Say Yankee Stadium should <laughs> should sponsor the podcast. Let's get Comiskey Park to sponsor the the third. The 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 third the one third of our podcast even the final the, third even though we're in Toronto and the Blue Jays are here I, yeah but nobody Let's just bypass the Jays and go to the Sox I wish the Jays would play in Comiskey Park all the time I wish that was our stadium okay <laughs> all right that is a true wish and there you go we are we are up and at him this is the podcast. Um, Nick's going to be uh, joining me for for most of the episodes from now on. Um, and I think what we want to do is bring in kind of a, a third or even maybe a fourth guest every now and then. And, and hopefully that'll be someone that a lot of people are familiar with. And I must mention that we're doing this podcast uh, not only with the blue microphones, the Yeti mics, but also in my place. This is my place. Nick. Your palatial estate. You've been here, what, once before? I've been here. I think I was actually at your old place. Ah, okay. Your old place. I don't think I've actually Which been a, just to actually one street over from where I'm at now. I do like your new place. It's got windows, a lot of them. It's got a fridge decorated with photos. That makes me comfortable. <laughs> I, I, that that's the mark of a a, a true home. A, a real home is, yeah. is the photos on the on the fridge. Yeah, it, it's pretty much uh, my abode and, and a place I don't really like to leave unless I have to go on tour. And when I do go on tour, the first day of the, the tour, meaning the, f- the trip to the airport, is a, is a hard one. But once you're on the tour, it's, it's fine. And you've been on tour. Like I said, you've, uh, y- you used to sing. Yeah, we're now def- defunct. Defunct? Yeah. The Brutal Nights. Uh, how many albums did you guys put out? It's kind of uh, tricky because it, there was one EP that when we released it on CD was with a bunch of songs, so it kind of counted as an LP. And it was that counts. It was it was like seven. It was a seven or eight song EP, so it was a lot. Uh, so maybe five, I think. Okay. Pleasure is all thine. Feast of shame. Living by yourself. Blown to completion. Maybe four then. Four. Blown to completion. Blown. And two. that was the final album. That was it. That's very. It's got uh, the word completion in it. Yes, I thought it would be. Clever. And you guys, you guys opened for us, right? We did open for you at Lee's Palace once in Toronto. Yeah, and I think I'm surprised we didn't open for you more. I opened for you guys with comedy as well. That's right. Nick Flanagan is a comedian first and foremost. Yes. Once upon a time, it was the opposite. Perhaps I was a singer first and foremost. Yeah. But now comedy's taken over. Comedy is the thing. And you have opened up for us, just you yourself doing comedy. And that was also at Lee's Palace, right? At Lee's Palace, yes. Your Toronto home away from home. Was there some kind of thing that happened in order to have that show happen with you, or what? I think it was very, uh, just a very nice gesture on your part. I had to go some, I, I had to go with Brutal Nights to play something called the Halifax Pop Explosion, which is a festival mm-hmm. in Halifax. And right. then uh, the times didn't line up unless I flew and you guys were like well okay i guess we'll fly you one way 
Well, that wasn't when you say you guys. It's it's probably just JC. Yes, JC <laughs> takes care the, of all the all the particulars. Yeah, the man who handles everything but the uh, image of your band. <laughs> I'm more the guy who's like, why isn't Nick here? Yeah, and he'd be like, dude, he's at the airport. Where's what? JC? Why don't you bring JC in on this? JC's actually in Italy right now. Oh my yeah, god. He's, uh, we we are obviously since I'm home, we're on we're on a break. Well, break being like a couple of weeks no, yeah. in between tours is a break for us. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's doing his his own thing. But I'm sure as we do this, as the podcast goes on, he'll come down. As will Adam, our drummer, as well. But he's out in L.A. He's chilling out there too. So we're all kind of in different countries right now. JC's had a lot of haircuts in his time. A lot of different haircuts. Not lately. I guess it's always been the same. It's lately. almost shoulder length actually right now. So is that your favorite look of his? Do you have a favorite JC look? <laughs> Do I have a favorite? J- I mean, I like you have the- to look at him a lot. So yeah, I mean, I like the way he looks now. I mean, um, I like the way he looks when he has a haircut too. It's either 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 way, you can rock it pretty hard. Although with the long hair, he's rocking it pretty hard. With him and Adam, almost have the same length of hair. So the two of them, you know, with their hairs flying around, and and me with no hair, it makes for a nice trio trifecta. Yeah. Would you ever? Consider I guess they growing... would be Getty and Alex, and I would be Neil. Yeah, you would definitely be Neil. Just judging <laughs> yeah. from what I've seen of Neil, <laughs> of Neil lately in that documentary. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so he's not here today. It's just you and I. I miss him. Yeah, so do I. I miss Adam. I've never even met the guy. I think JC's flying in tomorrow. So, and, uh, when we're taping this, Michael Monroe is playing in Toronto tomorrow. Not really sure when this is going to be uploaded, but Michael Monroe from Hanar Rocks is hitting Toronto tomorrow and playing guitar with him is Dragon from the Backyard Babies. So it's going to be a fun night tomorrow night. So Where's that happening? One. Mod Club. The Mod Club. Yeah. Your other home away from home in Toronto. It's actually become our home lately. We've we've done the last couple of hometown gigs we've played have, have been at the Mod Club. What's the hydro bill there? You, is it inclusive? I don't know. The only thing I know about the Mod Club is it's owned or run or something to do with Mark Holmes of Platinum Blonde. Anybody listening out there who doesn't know who Platinum Blonde is, um, they're a regional phenomenon yeah, they're from the of. 80s. And they played, um, they had a bunch of like 80s hits that fared, didn't do anything past Canada, really. But they were huge in Canada. They had that classic Canadian, very on-the-nose style that we really like in our new wave and, and rock, that thing. Just like... Echo Beach by uh, what group did Echo Beach? Is that Mar- Martha M&M's? and the Muffins? Yeah, you know, Martha it's it's so clearly self conscious and weird, but we like it. Yeah, it was kind of like Mickey, if anybody remembers yeah. that song, or Abracadabra <laughs> by Steve, Steve Miller Band. Steve Miller Band. That song stands on its own. Yeah, maybe it does. No, um, I used to have this scrutiny. '80s pop explosion compilation when I was like six or five or something, and uh, that was one of the songs on it. And then you grow up and you're like, well, actually, Steve Miller kind of transcends all that. Steve Miller is weird. They're, they're, they're one of those bands where I don't pay any attention to anything about them. I still don't know that much about them because I didn't really grow up with them. But maybe I think he's every, on Roadrunner now. Steve Miller's on Roadrunner? Yeah, he's on one of those That's kinds wild. of crazy labels now. He's Roadrunner is signing. Is he on Eric? Well, Lenny Kravitz. Or some, I know Rush signed with Roadrunner recently. 
So They've got comics too, right? Isn't Brian Posehn probably on Roadrunner? Brian Posehn's on Relapse. Oh, uh, yeah. Don Jameson and Jim Florentine are on Metal Blade. Hey, guys, just want to take a break from the podcast and let you guys know about one of our sponsors today. It's Blue Microphones, and Blue Microphone designs and produces an extensive line of award-winning microphones and recording tools for audio professionals, musicians, and consumers. Named as one of the fastest-growing companies by Inc. Magazine in 2011 and 2010, Blue offers a range of recording tools for almost any application in both professional and consumer markets. You can check out the complete range of Blue products at www.bluemic.com. And today we've been using the Yeti Blue Mics, and they're rocking it hard. And now back to the podcast in progress. Audiences now don't know when to laugh. I think people just are all, we're all splintered with what makes us laugh. But it, it reminds me of the time when you opened up for, in your, with a comedy in, at a comedy show, with you opened up for Aziz Ansari. That did happen. At the and, Mod Club, in fact. Yeah, yeah, at the Mod Club. And I, for anybody who doesn't know, Aziz Ansari is uh, on Parks and Recreation, that he's television on show. Parks and Recreation. He's in 30 minutes or less. He's got comedy specials. The man is on fire. And he opened, you opened up for him. And it wasn't a friendly audience, and it was no. a hometown audience. It was like 600 people. But that's a famous thing about Toronto. Uh, you know, is I, that they're not nice always to the people from Toronto. The crowds are not always good. But I looked at the, the the people in the crowd, and it didn't seem to me that they would know that you was were from, from Toronto. Toronto or not. I mean, you were just <laughs> right. this comedian doing your thing, and it just didn't line up with their kind of... Expectations, snap, maybe? Snap, you know, laugh track that they're used to. Yeah, and I mean... It's funny, like as he's vetted that, when you know when you're opening for somebody, a lot of the, especially a comedian, a lot of the it, time. It was a rough gig for you. It was tough, but I mean, I don't. You mind. got heckled a lot. I got heckled. I know. I I heard and I saw. And you participated mostly. No, I didn't actually. I was I was actually really pissed off that people mm-hmm. weren't giving you a chance. But and I think I got good feedback from people afterwards who said. Oh well, you did well with the hecklers, you know. So that's I guess. <laughs> Was that something. your mom? No, my mom didn't see the show. <laughs> didn't come up for that one. Um, I thought I thought you did well, um, and I liked the fact that you persevered through the booing. And that, I mean, I was able to look back, take a step back, and go, "This is hilarious." In in, in that in that sense, I think there were people who that was what they got out of it. They said, "Well, Nick yeah. went through it, and he." I didn't really back down that show at all. And that was sort of, it was during, there was this whole period of time that was very difficult. There was uh, that show, and then I also opened for John Lejoie, who I'm not sure if you know who he is. No, John, John Lejoie is huge. Uh, he's on a show called The League, and he's Canadian, he's okay. from Montreal, but he, he does these songs. He has these really popular songs. Like That's probably shows. why I haven't heard of He has a song called Everyday. You'd love it, probably. Everyday songs? Average, Normal right. Guy. He's really clever, really funny. And at the show, I opened for him, which was to sold out Phoenix, 1,000 people at this place, the Phoenix in Toronto. And uh, Wow, really? Yeah, he sold it out. And, you know, I come out, and I do my jokes, and again, they are just booing the hell out of me. And then... Damn, I wish I was there. It was actually harder than Aziz, that show. Really? Because there were more okay. people... 
because it's larger than the Mod Club. Yeah. And because there was a really decisive moment during the Aziz show where I went, okay, well, should I just leave? And then a bunch of people kind of were like cheering, so I mm-hmm. got to go on, keep talking, even though there were some people who didn't like it. Uh, and that didn't happen at the John Lewis show. What did the, what, <laughs> I didn't? If I'd asked that, people would have all said yes, leave. Because <laughs> yeah, they're for a musical comedy, like funny, exactly dry thing, and then they get this other thing, which is like a huge element with openers. That's that can be an issue, you know. Is and that, I mean, that like, happened sort of with when I opened for you guys. You know, there were not everybody was were people heckling you. Yeah, you you were nobody was heckling. I, I wasn't paying attention. Nobody was heckling, but no, you were focused on your guitar strings for the the show. Yeah, some some sort of you were polishing your pick. Some sort of so to speak. Yeah, some sort of uh, some something like that. Something ritualized. If you're opening for someone and the entire crowd is there for them, unless the act specifically yeah. asks you to do long, you really should probably only do 15 minutes. Yeah, I would and say. and the same goes with what if you're a band on tour with another band opening for that band yeah, do a half hour they've got a very specific audience yeah. do 20 minutes we've been in minutes. that situation many times we i remember uh one time touring with uh flogging molly who are a great great band are they irish i think most of them are and some of them just know how to play irish instruments okay so uh, <laughs> they're, they're like irish metal i don't I, no they're not metal at all man they're they're just do you, are you familiar with that band as a name on a shirt. Oh, okay. Well, they play kind of. God, I'm gonna butcher their tag, but they, you know, they. It, to me, as someone who's uh, not really familiar with that kind of Irish folk tradition, it just it sounds like songs to drink beer to, you know, songs to drink Guinness to. Oh, so it is in the same world as Dropkick Murphys or something. Y- yeah, okay. you know, faster played, so there's a punk element to it. Yeah. And they're all, you know, Misfits friendly and Ramones friendly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we toured with them and, and, you know, doing my baby baby thing on stage every night didn't really go over well, especially in San Diego. Um, I, re- just, I remember that pretty vividly. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, and then we toured with Our Lady Peace, which is a Canadian band. We toured with them in the States. Once again, the band, great guys. All yeah. of them were great guys. But there was a few nights where we got heckled to the point where I remember in Boston, in my personal life at the time, I wasn't doing so good. There was something there was something personal in me with, with my life personally that was going on in my head that night, that actual night. Okay. And there was two guys who were heckling me, and I jumped off the stage after the show, and I wanted to beat the shit out of them. No way. That's never happened. I can't picture you doing that. Yeah, yeah, that happened once. And uh, I went, when I jumped off the stage, I remember I was in such a blindness that JC just he, he just, he was on the stage wrapping up cables, trying to get our equipment off, and he just yelled at me, and he goes, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Get the fuck back here. So that's when he snapped me back into reality. And I am I was just like, wow, I was really ready to get my ass kicked by two guys. <laughs> it was two guys. Yeah. It would have beaten the shit out of you me. You were clearly like not thinking and maybe in a place where, I don't know, you were just ready. To, you wanted them. Well, you, you know, it had happened a few more nights before on the yeah. tour. And I was just, I had it. And I, and we got, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what happens. Uh, there's some, you know, peripheral noises if you hear them but if don't you let hear that a bird 
That's because there's a bird in here <laughs> somewhere. Uh, I have the door open, so yeah. Um, but but getting back to the, the, the band, Our Lady Peace, they were all cool with it. They saw the whole thing go down, and mm. they were all cool with it, and they were actually, you know, we all laughed about it at the end of the night. But I, I felt really stupid, you know, as I... As I do whenever I lose my temper, five minutes later, I feel like an idiot, and I just yeah. want to, like, disappear. Most of the time, anger at something someone did. Well, there's sort of two, you know, I do have to say that anytime I've, like, not done anything or been the bigger man, I'll spend years afterwards being like, I really wish I could I have punched that yeah. guy. Same here, yeah. man. So it's, yeah, it's, so it's, it's a, a weird... double-edged, yeah. uh, you know, whatever, plate, cool. broken plate. There's been a couple of times, though, where... And JC is always more the, um, the, 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 the voice of reason, where I remember this one review. Let's, let's call it a review. Okay. And uh, the guy was just carving on us. What would your alternate title for it be besides review? Bullshit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and he was just carving on us. And I emailed JC and I said, read this. I, I gave him the link. This is fucking made up bullshit. And uh, I was going to write to the magazine and just fucking tear someone's ass anew. And he said, well, why don't you take the high road and just, you know, compliment them and, you know, say this and that. And I was like, I calmed down a bit and I go, well, you know, uh, in the spirit of fucking with people, let me do that. Yeah. And it worked. <laughs> and actually, every, all bridges were mended and it, it was all cool. You know, is that your phone that you didn't turn off before we started this podcast? No, it's my iPod Touch. I did turn my phone off, but my iPod Touch, which I, I actually acquired Wi-Fi from you, yeah. has now turned against this. I'll turn the sound off. What, is that your Facebook notification? Yeah, I was invited to an event. I don't want to brag. I've been invited to an event, Whoa. guys. So Probably on go. a night where I'm probably staying at home because no one invited me. I, I, you know, you should... You're probably not on Facebook, and that's why you're not getting these event invites. I really recommend that you get on Facebook because they're saying now that it tracks what websites you go to, even if you've logged off. And I think uh -oh. if there's one thing you could use, it's something tracking, you know, all of your internet exactly. movements, right? You'd love that, wouldn't you? I would love that. Um, getting back to Aziz and and the John Lajoie thing, uh, who I'm a huge fan of, by the way. I love Aziz and sorry. Yeah, I'm no, just, I don't know if I mentioned it. It was it was good. It was it was he was he was nice. Was I went amazing. out afterwards with yeah. him. Um, it was cool. Oh, okay, that's cool. And uh, it's nice to know when you like somebody that they're cool. Yeah, and John Lajoie though, who I don't know, who you don't know. He was amazing. Who I might like. He was, you know, he was so cool. And he's one of these guys. He had like his family, like his brothers were like his people that he brought on tour with him because oh, he's just okay. a one man performance. He's from Quebec, and like he just brought these brothers, and they were it had, it had almost an entourage vibe, but like a friendly Canadian entourage vibe. And he was really appreciative of my comedy, even though the crowd wasn't. And he like thanked me on stage. And they, there were a couple of boos when he thanked me on stage. So he, John really went above and beyond. And, and you know, Aziz, like, also, but the headliner is focusing on their own thing. That was what someone told me once. Like, you mm -hmm. know, of course. You, if you're opening, you can't expect anything from them because all you're, the most that you're getting from them is just the fact you're, like, on this show with them. Yeah, you know? well, that's the thing is whenever we take out a band, we try to make sure, for example, this fall, winter in Europe, we're doing a, a European tour. We, uh, we, had, we had a bunch of ideas for bands, but then I, I, I threw out 
The Biters from Atlanta. Do you are you familiar with The Biters? I just love their their records. They put out a bunch of EPs, and you know we had asked a whole bunch of band, not a whole bunch, but we asked a couple, and it just wasn't happening. And then I just said, well, this is a long shot, but how about The Biters? I mean, I don't know. They they're probably too busy, or we probably can't get them. And and lo and behold, they're coming on tour with us. And I just know that them opening for us every night. The show's going to be awesome because they're wicked. I, I am such a fan. But I don't know if I'll be able to even watch, like, more than one song a night by them because I'm too yeah. wrapped up in the show we're going to do after them. So that's kind of the thing about taking on a, an opening band as well. You kind of have to uh, not pay attention. Well, I do a lot of show organizing for comedy in Toronto right now. Like, I'm just putting on my own shows, and it's a drag. Because just having that extra focus when you're doing yeah. a set, is just it just divides it a little bit. So I've had a lot of nights, especially at my weekly show I do. and um, Which I should actually go to, right? Yes, yes, please. <laughs> um, you know, where I'll go up and just not feel like I've prepared enough new material. or You're too burnt out from the organizing. Or something out. Because, yeah, because I'm organizing it and doing all that crap. But... You it know, also is good to do that. Having that control is good. We should talk about how you even started doing comedy with people because I think I have something to do with that. I mentioned I did a CBC podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I did I did refer to it when I played a the BBC Light of song. Canada, 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 yeah. <laughs> Canada. Uh, yes, so CBC is the BBC of Canada, and there's CBC one, two, and three, just like the BBC. Your start in comedy had something to do, the germination of it had something to do with the time we both worked together in uh, a warehouse packing CDs up in boxes and sending them across the country yeah. at a place called Outside Music. Yeah, it was a music warehouse. So it was one of these insane situations where... Bunch of musicians in the back room. Not even just musicians, musicians, artists. Like It was a very yeah. creative, smart bunch of guys who are just putting boxes sometimes of their own bands work yep, I did that into into you know distributing their their own groups or, or or you know so you're forced to it was pretty cool packing my own CDs up in boxes and sending them to stores it was uncool when the returns came yeah and that would inevitably always That'd happen be a bummer you know and bummer there were day. all these people from bands whether like uh, I don't even know if it's like do you, did these guys want to be outed you know the Sadies Dallas was always there fuck for a that long time. man Dallas worked there fuck yeah. that yeah Dallas worked there uh, my friend Carson Banks worked there too Carson was in the Deadly Snakes for a while yeah and then and Parchment in, Farm and, and Parchment Dirty Farm Ghost with, with Allison Baker who was in uh, Dallas from the Constantines yeah and uh, are, are they still on Sub Pop no they broke up Constantines That's, this is how in I'm I, yeah I, you I just I'm so out you of checked it. out dude I, I did check checked out checked out of the downtown scene <laughs> the Queen and Bathurst Toronto scene but anyway um, I mean it was it was crazy so we were at this warehouse bored everyone's bored so it's not it's just it's not a, it's a very decorated war, war, warehouse and there's you know, a record player. And the most exciting thing for everybody was like, is it your turn on the stereo? Yeah, People were bringing thing. their own records on yeah. like the subway. I never did though. Well, I always yeah, wanted to check out the yeah. warehouse because they had some really good records. They had great records. They, they had, had the great Rico reggae, disc, Rico, Rico disc for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. 
Um, but but anyways, what what happened was, like you're saying, everybody, you know, that was the biggest highlight of the day. Is is in between packing boxes is your turn at the ra- uh, the stereo, and you get to play your CD that you want everyone else to hear, but no one wants to hear it. Subject everyone to it. And who came up with the idea? Was it you or was it me just going, why don't you just fucking do this? Well, I think it was something like it, it had everything to do with not knowing a thing about how comedy works like locally or, you know, the actual genesis of it happening. We would open up the, the newspaper and see the list of the sort of shows that weren't at comedy clubs that were comedy shows, you know, book shows, I guess you'd call them now. And then... We'd look at the names and be like, I don't know who these guys are. Do you know who these guys are? What is this? What's happening? There's a culture of comedy that we do not understand. So I think you told me, most likely, just go out and do some comedy. Because I'd already written, like, all of the lyrics I've ever written have been, like, humorous in nature. And you were always cracking up everybody in the warehouse. Always cracking up the guys. At the, we were eating sandwiches. Someone, someone finally just said, hey, you should be a stand-up comedian. And then we went to the uh, Old York Tavern. Yeah, you where, and I. Yes. That was it, just the two of the us. The two of us. You brought your tape recorder, your handy-dandy tape recorder. And uh, I did a set at an acoustic open mic jam where... People th- will go up and do like a Bob Marley song on, on acoustic guitar. And I, I just wrote bullet point set like jokes I think right beforehand I think yeah, that was what was right happening at the table. for a while was I'd be writing at the table before which which always was it was it was nerve wracking to me but I also love that the train could go off the tracks and I'm gonna watch this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't do that anymore I definitely conform now to the idea that you should probably have something I loved it I, I loved wish it. I kept it was doing like, it though it was like free jazz it was yes. just going unlistenable for it. <laughs> no, I love. I, you came up with some gems on the spot, and that's that's what's so great. Because they were all really shocking. Because that was like again that yeah. period when you're like starting at a comedy. The easiest thing to get to go to is just right. the most crass or whatever. And and you did have a lot of. There was a few subjects that you kept touching on. That yeah, I sort of hammered. I don't even know if I want to talk about them on this podcast. But one of them, you know, this was what year was this? Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. So. Much. 2001, <laughs> Michael Jackson died in 2009. So a lot of your jokes had to do with Michael Jackson. I had Michael Jackson, and I had uh, the Holocaust, and I had... Uh, I didn't really, you know... I But wait a minute. We must preface your Holocaust jokes with the fact that you are Jewish. I am Jewish. So yes. there is a bit of a yes. a, a free pass you and get I also felt, jokes. I also was very, I think, a little pretentious about it at first, where I was like... No, man. Like, I'm making these jokes because, like, I'm trying to make a point that you, we can't we feel, that, you know, like, if you, <laughs> there was, no, basically it would be a lot of sentences that go, if you, dot, 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 don't finish. I don't actually have any argument for why these I'm are doing good. these Holocaust Except jokes. that they're messed up and funny, and that's fine, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. You know? which, which was the whole point. If it's a good joke, then and it's okay. Every time, every time I'd accompany you, which was almost... Pretty much every time you did it in the beginning. Yeah, because the first year or two of comedy for a lot of people and for me is like you're going once a month, you know. Yeah. It sort of slowly builds into doing it too much. You know? But I think um, whenever anybody would, would heckle you or or get mad at you for what you just said or offended, uh, I would I would love it 
because I knew that it was some, it was provoking people, and at the same time, I get so mad at that person for not having a better sense of humor, seeing that we are at a comedy night. Yeah. Uh, so I, that that shocked me, but it also harks back to my knee jerk reaction about Canadians and and their you know lack of sense of humor, and that's just that's just me. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole is like yeah, because just about how. Canadians have to leave Canada. It's crazy. Canadians have to leave Canada or you don't. But if you don't leave Canada, it's just, you know, you can't expect to be... Understood. You better not have an ego of any kind no. because you're going to be sort of a weird, yeah. just staple performer. And it's it's fine. There's lots that, of people who are successful, but it's... And my knee-jerk reaction to that goes back, goes back to the fact that I see that with our band yeah. in music. And I see how... A lot of I always make this joke that I think that Canadian music, or at least the Canadian music Canada wants the world to know, um, has more in common with the Starbucks music playlist yeah. than it does any kind of pushing boundaries, which makes someone like Damien Abraham a fucked up, um, an interesting anomaly to me. But I also know that uh, I could never be a Damien. Yeah, know, but because and also- I sing about wanting to fuck white women. <laughs> Wait, who wants... What? Where, where do we go? Do, do, I think Fucked Up have a song about wanting to fuck white women, but it's just... It's, it's, it's just women. Yeah, it's like absorbing... <laughs> just the, wanting to fuck women. The sort of political ramifications of wanting to fuck sure. women. Sure. And, and um, I bring Damien up because I think he's an incredible incredible front man. I love him. Yeah, love I mean, Damien is a very... He's really savvy in terms of just yeah. what he's presenting in the band. It's it, it's cool. Because, and also... But to me, it's so un-Canadian. Though, it's yeah. so... Not what we've been. Well, it it, it literally sold. is un-Canadian. I mean, he probably, I think, especially in the early period, the person who he brings to mind vocally and then also just performance-wise, there's this real poison idea feel. I know, was going to say to what he's doing, and that's. But also a little bit of Brandon's uh, negative approach, John Brandon's vocals and negative mm-hmm. approach. I can see that. You know, I can hear and, that. And and uh, and neither of those bands are Canadian. <laughs> you know, and and that's and that's something that you can trace back with just most bands. Is like mm-hmm. it's really you know it's really rare that people are completely influenced by Canadian music. But there's something funny to me about because Canadian CanCon is all about sort of an overarching Canadian influence. You know, right. Uh, I, I think we just love it here. People love the idea of, of Gordon Lightfoot playing Massey Hall mm-hmm. every two years until he dies. And no one can, you know, they love people just being here. And and it's almost this weird, silent appreciation that you have to assume is happening half the time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and the thing is, if anybody listening to this podcast is unfamiliar with the Canadian music scene outside of maybe fucked up or broken social scene or um, Nickelback or anything, there's a whole pool of other bands that no one got to hear and that were basically, we were inundated with because we live in Canada for years and years and years. Boot Sauce? Are you talking about Boot Sauce? They were kind of funky. They were funky. Boot Sauce, (laughs) Quebecois. Funk. I, I didn't really mind them sauce. as much as everybody else did, but I, but okay. there were. I'm not going to name the bands that I personally don't like or that a lot of people don't like. But in the first episode, you won't. No, but but in every country, there are all these like stock bands that n- are destined to never make it outside of the country. Yeah, like North Earth Crisis. 
what are you talking about? Crisis <laughs> did. Um, but you know, for every country that we've visited in our travels, there's always the, the 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 band, the list of bands that you know no one's ever heard of, but they're legendary and they're they're iconic within the country, and they're you know there's cover bands that do their thing, and thousands, hundreds, tens of thousands of people go to their shows, you know, and 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 no one knows them outside of the country, and we in Canada we have that too, um, and that's why I have this kind of reaction to. To Canadian music. Well, Canada and probably other countries have the thing when you do have a band that hits internationally, even temporarily, that will pretty much make them permanent in their country. In their country. They had one hit in America for 10 minutes. And tragically, well, tragically, hip haven't even really had their American success. They never had their American success. But but maybe. They're a good good example. And I, listen, I just finished a little tirade carving on these kinds of bands but tragically hipper are actually a really good yeah, band there's nothing wrong with there's hipper. nothing wrong with them but uh our lady peace are a band that had a real success period in the states you know and, and, they, and we of, toured with them during yeah. that success period and there I was like a thousand people showing up to their show every night that made them concrete in america do you say a thousand mm-hmm. yeah and that's like also not like even a thousand that. plus well, a thousand plus. Okay. Well, well considering where plus. we were and where we are, we can't get a thousand people in X city. You know, outside of major cities, That's they were another doing thing. that. Major cities. If you're once you're getting well, out of major whatever cities, whatever New York, hitting, or whatever the LA. Midwest, or yeah. well, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it gets complicated talking about like the weird politics of touring yeah. in the states because it's true. You can play New York and it might not be good. You can play LA, it might not be good. You, you, you know, you know, America is America, but it's actually fifty countries in one. But did we did we finish the little story about you starting comedy? Well, I mean, you basically encouraged me to come out to do shows. I came out, and the first show, I wasn't there. I don't think I went to work the next day. I think you played the tape for the people at work, and mm. they were like... Yeah, I think I remember that. They were like, oh, cool. And yeah, I mean, the bits I was doing were like... I think everybody kind of couldn't believe that the two of us went out and the, that actually you actually did it. Did it. You yeah. actually did it. For and sure. I, I came in to work the next day with the proof going, you, everyone's got to hear this. Yeah, because it's so important to actually do the thing that you want to do, that you say you're going to do. So many people talk shit, you know, and and that was the one thing when I clued in really long ago, before bands, before anything, I noticed a lot of people I was hanging out with just shit talk. Mm -hmm. They just say that they're going to do all this stuff or wouldn't it be cool if we did this and they don't do it and I didn't want to be around those people. So I like it when people... Say they're going to do something, and even if they fail at it, we can laugh at them failing at it, and everyone can have a laugh. Yeah, and I mean, like I don't even podcast. know if I failed at it. I think I kind of tried to like this podcast, <laughs> and I, I, I thought it was not a it, that one. Your first set is ne- never going to be a success or a failure, or like it's a success because you just did it. I guess you know like because that, you were doing some shocking material. It was funny for all of us. That I don't you think said, my first a- act was like super shocking. No, actually, you're right. It wasn't. Yeah. But you, there were there cr- was weird, crazy it was things. Weird, yeah. Was well, I did whole... seven words you can't say on television, and it's not a big deal now. But I was like, here are seven words you can't say on television, and it was a not the George Carlin bit. Right. Seven words you can't say on television. I mean, I think that was the sense of humor I had, especially starting off, because there were so many less comedians. It was just kind of a dead zone for mm-hmm. comedy at that time. You know, yeah, there was, it was people were listening to like Bill Hicks was just starting to kind of 
get collected and dispersed among people, you know? Yeah, because I think at that point he had just died a few years back. He died a few years back, and people were just sort of sorting out. I'm burping a lot, I'm sorry. And I think Kinnison had died a few years back, too. Kinnison had died a while ago, but I think like six years before that, but it was like... It was just a point where there was it was a real changeover. People like Patton Oswalt were still cult successes. Uh, Louis C.K. was someone who yeah, that's right. Was Patton working constantly, was... much like Patton, but not like David he, Cross. It would be about David a year Cross and was half. starting to break out yeah. because, but Mr. that, but Show. only because of Mr. Show and because of like it was it was still and he was on Sub Pop. It was viewed as very cool, you know, that he was doing it. And there weren't a lot of people at the time, so the fact. I thought it was. I had a confidence based on the fact that it seemed like nobody was really approaching it the way that I was, which was, I think, a little more like it was misplaced confidence in a sense, but it's kind of good that I had it, you know? Like, there was definitely people doing that kind of thing. And over the years, there's definitely been people still doing, trying to do that kind of thing. But yeah, I see when people do what you were doing like 10 years ago, I kind of see, oh, well, they kind of missed the boat. Hey gang, just wanted to take another break from the podcast to let everyone know that today we're using Skullcandy headphones to do this. Now I know every time, and when I say every time, I mean I mean 100%, every single time I walk around my neighborhood with my brown aviator Skullcandy headphones on, I'm stopped by someone who's wearing what they think is the top of the line headphones asking me what those headphones I'm wearing are and where I got them. So... Check him out at SkullCandy.com. And now, back to the podcast, already in progress. But I think the connection between our band and just comedy in general is, not that we're a stand-up comedy act, but there is a lot of banter. And I do, I do have, for me personally, there's a lot of comedy in my past that, that I, I listen to. I'm a huge comedy fan. I collect more comedy records than I do rock records. I find them to be more valuable to me. Um, and I search them out and I pay more money for a comedy record than a music album that I've, I want to hear as well. People don't know, might not necessarily know that about me. So I do, I am a huge comedy fan. And I'm Myself very... as well. Yourself as well. I love the comedy. And uh, uh, very discerning when I see a comedian live, I'm very picky when I don't get them, when I don't understand them, uh, when they hit me from a different angle, a different part of my brain, that's when I like them. Yeah. I don't, because I, I, can, I can smell them a mile away, and you can just basically go, this guy saw too many Jim Carrey movies. I think that that's another thing that's really, really difficult to do is when you're immersed in it, is to actually sustain your own voice. <laughs> Without, to make sure that you're not just like, you know, suddenly using this, form of logic because it's the same comic form of logic that is around your whole circle of people you know like mm-hmm. I'm I, so that's why I'm thankful I get to tour a little bit and stuff and you have toured have you toured with haven't you toured with Neil Hamburger done some shows with Neil Hamburger and I don't know fun. if anybody anybody who's listening who doesn't know Neil Hamburger is just do a YouTube search on this guy this guy's crazy I remember I heard Neil Hamburger on a on a phone calls crank phone calls tape I think that was his first and he doesn't even sound like he used to. Like if that was the real Neil Hamburger, it doesn't sounds completely different. He, it, I mean, it just kept on evolving as a thing, and so his voice now Neil is like Neil Hamburger. Yeah, before it was like, "Hello, I'm Neil Hamburger," yeah, and then he would tell all these jokes. And now it's like, it's everybody, right? You know, yeah, that's a totally weird. different Neil Hamburger than I 
got accustomed to on this uh, great phone calls tape. And then I heard, I think you... I'm not sure how much that impression, the second impression sounded like where he's at right now. Yeah, maybe because like I'm... the inside of a sewer. Yeah. Um, but sewer. Uh, you hit me to this other uh, uh, crank phone call tape called um, oh. Far A Laugh. Just for a laugh, Earls and Jensen. That guy sounds more like the the <laughs> Neil Hamburger on the Great Phone Calls tape, and it, I've always thought that that was actually the original guy on those. No, tapes. I'm sure those guys knows each, know each other. Andrew Earls is one of those guys, and he. Um, Check it out if anybody is unfamiliar with this on iTunes. It's called what's it? It's official? called Just for a Laugh. It's Just on, it's on Far Mad a Laugh. F A R like as in Jamie Far from Mash, right? Yes, exactly, and that M A R R. Yeah, F-A-R-R, just F- far F-A-R-R, a just far a laugh. It's really clever, and that was, the way I got that was my friend Paul, who was in that band, uh, Chick, Chick, Chick. Oh, with the two, three exclamation yeah. marks? And he was in this other band, Modi Lemon. He he w- met, saw me on tour and was like, here, here's a CD, listen to this CD, it's mm-hmm. funny. And, and that's my favorite thing to get, is like a burned CD that someone says you have to listen to this, especially like comedy, because it makes you feel like, wow, this is coming... Totally out of nowhere. Right. And uh, I love the idea of underground comedy, the way underground music. Yeah. Is, and is that's such a hard thing to everybody. bubble because it's just it's hard, man. How do you sustain doing comedy if you're not making a living at it? You know, it, it takes real dedication. And it's and and uh, Longmount Potion Castle did that with their prank calls. You know, it's often prank calls are sort of the ground zero of what you could call underground comedy because it's just. Here's some. I did some prank calls. Check them out. You know. So. You know about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Would I? I mean, the, is this the? You want to blow the lid off your your career? We might as well as a make prankist? the. Well, that was how I first heard of you. Ever was because you did these calls. Yeah. No one knows about this. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I used to do crank phone calls, and I used to put them on tapes and and sell them around Toronto, and uh, I stopped doing it because I was. So scared I was going to get in trouble because I was starting to get in trouble. I uh, and that that has to do with the fact that I had idle hands, man. And if I wasn't in this band, I'd be in big fucking trouble. Yeah. And it's not like getting into like beating people up or doing something crazy like that. It's more like doing creepy shit. Not creepy shit, but like <laughs> fuck you. But but doing more like you know pranks that will go awry. Well, the one that I remember hearing of yours was like you made a prank wait, call. Wait, wait, wait a minute. No, I think this is all right. Because I know some of the people no. I've called uh, have been, I've they've befriended met. since, and some of them don't know that I. This all this them. was was you as an auctioneer. Okay, we can talk about you that. You called one. somebody, and you <laughs> you call. I think it might have been a help wanted for an auctioneer job. Yeah, it was. And you called up and immediately launched into the auctioneer <laughs> yes, voice. I did. You were like, you did your audition <laughs> over the phone. Yeah, the and guy. It, it was really funny, and it was totally it lined up with that Neil Hamburger mm-hmm. funny phone calls album, which yep. people should definitely check out. Yeah, and I heard that phone calls album called Great Phone Calls. It's got a picture of a naked lady with a with a from the like fifties or sixties with a. With yeah, that's the Neil Hamburger one. Yeah. yeah, and I heard that, and it blew my mind the way I heard like. The Misfits or something, and uh, I just had to do it. So what I would do is I'd just go to the bank because I was broke. I'd put five dollars on the on the teller's table, and I'd get five dollars worth of quarters, and I'd spend the afternoon making phone calls. <laughs> That's a, I never managed to do any real phone calls. I once with my friends and I called 
a, play, a guy called the Math and Magician who was like a tutor, mm-hmm. and we were like, uh, "Could you perform at my daughter's birthday party next week?" <laughs> that was about the. That most. was about it. And he was I like, "No, those. I can't. I'm a tutor." <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was it. That was the phone. That was great. Yeah. But I love those ones. I love the <laughs> idea of a crank phone call. Although I hate getting them, I love those simple ones too. And I I used to do that too. I wanted to do a whole. Well, back then, a whole cassette of real simple crank phone calls where I remember looking in the white pages under the last name Priest. Yeah. And I remember I did a few of them and I just call up, you know, Mrs. Priest or Mr. Priest and they go, hello. And I go, is this Priest? And they go, yeah. Oh, man, I fucking love you guys back in 82. <laughs> and that was the that was the premise set up. That was the whole punchline of the of the crank yeah. phone call. And I, I had so much fun doing it. And I love those those small little crank phone calls, and then they they'd hang up on you, and that would be it. And yep. and but I would do like these ten minute crank phone calls as well, um, and that's just you know that just started. I mean, it was beyond the crank phone call. It was coming up with the the setup, the 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 premise, the setup, the punchline, the whole thing. Um, and then making it work, it probably feels good when you make it work. When you make you know? it work, it's amazing. And when you Jerky get a reaction. Jerky Boys was so good. I would listen to those, too. Jerky Boys were good. But like they, I mean, they 20 hit phone calls? Yeah. yeah. 20 phone, out of 20 Jerky Boys phone calls, I'd say four would be good. Yeah. So you get a, like one-fifth, 20% of that. The Just For Our Laugh one is really good because they they're just they, they have some recurring characters. And, when yeah. they, and, they, and, they, and just it's, it's totally good. in the vein of the best show on WFMU. And actually that guy Earls used to call into the, the Tom Sharpling uh, best show on WFMU. Okay. And uh, he's also a Memphis journalist. Plus he wrote that book about Husker Du that came out a little while ago. Oh, okay. Ago. So he's... So he's uh, he's all over the place. That's cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, you just can't just phone. And that's the thing about the Jerky Boys. Uh, it was just a bunch of f words, and and you know the, the setup was really thin. The premise was really thin a lot Sometimes of the time. I like that. I mean, like I said, yeah. I love the whole Judas Priest setup or just yeah. these simple things, but it was like 20 phone calls of that in a row, yeah. and then you wait for the big one at the end. And there's no big one at the end. There was a couple that were yeah. like, wow, that if now, if they had 10 of those, then you'd have they would be king. You'd put them in the Smithsonian. Well, they would own their name, the Jerky Boys. They would own the legend that, 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 that they, they have They don't own the now. name anymore? I don't think the Jerky Boys are as, as good as, they, as everyone talks about them. There's way better crankers out there. Well, I feel like... And, it's and insane you know that great? they had a movie, by the way. You know who's great is is I know that's crazy that they had a movie. But Jim Florentine and Don Jameson Those who do good. the That Metal Show. I haven't really. I think I saw the DVD that was pranks. That, that they Jim did. did. Yeah, they do live pranks, the terror, which is terrorizing te- telemarketers. Terrorizing tapes. telemarketers, and then they did they did uh, they did a whole live. They do these live jokes like where they go to a Chinese buffet, and instead of taking the plates and sitting down on the table. They just sit in front of the buffet with a fork and start eating, and someone's filming this. And those are the kinds of things that you take that crank, the crank phone call to the next level. That kind of stuff is well, awesome. Maybe that's just what. And it's so gorilla like, too. Like, like jackass, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Maybe that's like. Once, once you introduce the idea of doing it visually, maybe that is the reason why it, you don't hear as much outside of the Howard Stern show about prank calls, you know, because maybe. These visual pranks just became the thing at some point. Tom Green, that was something. He Tom was Green, all about. Jackass. Still, I love a good old fashioned crank phone call if done right. Because because um, uh, Sal and, and Richard Christie on the Howard Stern show, they do 
when they hit the mark, man, they're almost untouchable. I mean, I don't know what we want to achieve with this podcast because we've kind of gone off on a comedy tangent. Yeah. Which I love doing, you know, off stage all the time. I love talking about comedy with people and as much as I love talking about music. And uh, I don't even know if we went on. I'm pretty sure people I'm probably going to hear the comments that we went off on a fucking tangent like you wouldn't believe. But that's what the first podcast is for (laughs) bringing in nick here and uh yeah so this is what we have in store we're gonna bring a third person in and we're gonna do this uh regularly and it's just gonna be us talking and shooting the shit um and i hope everybody kind of thank you thank you for bringing me in oh yeah well thanks for coming down we had a few tech issues here it has nothing to do with these great yeti mics from blue microphones they're or wonderful. the wonderful skull candy headphones we got. Also it had wonderful. everything to do with me and the fact that uh, I'm not the most tech savvy person you would find. Can't we also blame a little company called Apple? We can blame Apple. Blame Apple, folks. And their lack of manuals. I had to go on YouTube to 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 troubleshoot the problem I had. Troubleshit. Yeah, it was, a, it was a troubleshit. But uh, anyways, just to kind of cap. The comedy talk at an hour because that's where we are right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this. I think that's a good call. Our voices need a rest. Oh uh, yeah, we've been going pretty. F- I hope you've enjoyed the comedy talk. Okay, so plug away. Okay, fucker. Twitter.com/slash/xflansx x f l a n s x. That's my Twitter. You have a Twitter too, don't you? Yeah, Danko Jones. It's easy. It's not this X. What should I change my Twitter name to? Because Nick Flanagan's taken. Flanagan? How about um, Shenanigans? Nick Shenanigans. Wasn't that your name in Brutal Nights? Nick Shenanigans. Uh, That was my name in The Killer Elite, another band I was in. Uh, You were in another. Yeah, but Brutal Nights toured. We never toured. We played St. Catharines a couple times. Killer Elite never toured. Brutal Nights, you guys did like Euro tours. We played Greece. We played Macedonia. We've never played played Greece or Macedonia. We've never played. Yeah, it's because you're interested in making money. No, (laughs) we've always wanted to play Greece. It's cool. I mean, Greece, uh, that story about playing Greece is amazing. I'll have to tell it sometime. But um, yeah, and then Brutal Nights you could check out. And I have an album called I'm Here All Week. W-E-A-K. I don't make W-E-A-K. spelling very easy. With no. My but you know what? We started the podcast with one of our songs. We'll end with one of your Brutal Night songs. And uh, what's the song we're going to hear? Life I'm, Problem? Life Problem. Off Blown. what album? Blown to Completion. I think it's the last song. Okay, so if you've actually been able to hang on till the end of the hour with yeah. me and Nick, this is Nick singing. In the brutal nights. And uh, we will be here again very soon. Bye.